We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's happening, guys? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. This is not the voice of Pete. Pete's off today. Uh, likely editing video right now. But thankfully, we have one Darius Soriano joining us from the Bay. Darius, I am in the Mile High City. I uh, do not run outside like you do. So I'm good in terms of altitude. I, I just worked out in the gym. Running in altitude is quite the thing. We go to Lake Tahoe every once in a while because it's not too far from where we are. It's like a two and a half hour drive. And I have run outside in Lake Tahoe. And it is quite the difference between running here in the Bay Area where we're literally at sea level. There you go. Uh, just as I suspected. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to take a look at the Lakers Nuggets game, uh, which is, of course, the reason why I am in Denver and get some takes from Darius there. And then we're going to bounce around the league a little bit. League pass has been a lot of fun. And there are a few teams that Darius and I think are either better than or worse than their start. And I'm curious to see which teams he has selected. But until then, Denver, Darius, I mean, we can even frame it this way. Are they better or worse than their start? Because they lose their opener to Utah in one of the more surprising games, I think, of the season, the early season, just because people figured, oh, Danny Ainge, she's there. They're going to tear it all down. Like, they're, they're going to take. And the players are like, hold on. we're No, we're playing hard. It's been a lot of Jordan Clarkson and Kelly Olynyk and Lowry Markin and, and all that. So Utah gets blown out by them. Then they win at Golden State. Golden State coming down from the, the game that they played against the Lakers. Jokic was great in that one. They beat Oklahoma City, but it's a tight one. And then they get smashed by Portland, 135 to 110, where they barely show up. And Jokic on the season, Darius, is averaging 11 shot attempts per game, which is uh, way, way low, certainly for him in the last several years. You can see they're trying to integrate Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back into the mix. I know you watched last night and you've seen them a couple times this season. What's your early read on Denver as the Lakers come into town? If you go back to our Western Conference forecast, and we had sort of pegged Denver as a team that was flirting with or in that top tier of teams that we thought could compete for best record in the West, right? I think it was them and the Warriors 
maybe the Clippers. The Clippers are another team that is looking interesting so far. I wanted to have the Clippers differentiated. I think it was Golden State and Denver and then a little space. And I think Pete liked the Clippers more than the Nuggets uh, in terms of the the regular season. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But Denver has been up there and they've been rated highly, I think, by national observers as well. And I think the integration of Murray and Porter and Jokic – Jokic is such a naturally unselfish player and the fact that he's the back-to-back reigning MVP and everything that he's had to do in order to carry the team, it shows the level that he can play at. But I think his natural state is more of a, a sharer and someone who wants to be a cog in the machine and he is willing to step up when asked to or or when needed, but I think he thrives in these great team environments. And I think, Mike, we're seeing the sort of, um, I don't want to call them growing pains because this group has played together before, but that reintegration and the idea of what can these players do at this point and how ready are they coming back? And then, um, and Jokic still deferring to them, even if they're not quite there yet. And then I also think they have an interesting dynamic with um, a guy like Bones Highland, for example, right? And and integrating a new player like KCP, where it's not just the same team that has been there for a long time. Remember, they traded Monty Morris, they traded Will Barton, and they exchanged those guys for KCP. Highland is a player that I think is very interested in um, taking on a bigger role within the context of what this team is. And when you add a player like him to the mix with Murray's return and with Porter's return, I think that's one of the reasons why um, the Joker's shots are down and and why he is looking to pass a little bit more. Um, it's interesting, though, like if there's one thing about them, that has stood out to me. It's that their defense isn't quite where it needs to be if they're going to be one of those top teams. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about their defense and and also just about the fact that for a team that was major continuity team the last several years, it looks like they have taken a step back in that regards, even if it is some of the same names. Yeah, I think that's the right way to frame it. And even in contrast to Utah, who is a totally new team, but has a bunch of guys that are just kind of like, screw it, we're all just going to play hard and teams aren't expecting us to come. Denver is trying to figure out, and this starts with Jokic, but okay, well, Jamal Murray, he's out here next to me. He's not Jamal Murray yet, though, but does that mean that I should give him the ball a little more to try to get him going? And I think Jokic's early answer has been yes, because that that's kind of the kind of teammate that he is. And then there's Michael Porter Jr., who looks pretty good, is moving pretty fluidly, and is shooting the ball pretty well, but does not give you defensively what you got from whoever the role player was that was in that spot last year, even a a Jermichael Green type guy who's now in Golden State. Last year, it was Jokic is going to create everything on offense. Everybody else play defense and move and cut to the hoop and Joker will take care of you. And that worked up until the point where it didn't, right, where they got to the playoffs and they got smacked um, by Golden State. But that, that was a formula that reminds me a little bit of the way that Russ played in Oklahoma City, where, all right, there's one guy, he's going to create everything. Now, Jokic, a much better player, but they both got MVPs that way. And or even Dirk. 
right? Like that's sort of the Dirk model as well, where it's just like, he is your offensive fulcrum. He is the guy that everything runs through. The rest of these guys are, are core pieces to a machine that needs to support him in all of the ways that he needs supporting on both sides of the ball. Exactly. And so Jokic adjusting to that and then also integrating KCP and also integrating Bruce Brown. And you mentioned the emergence of a, of a Bones Highland, who's more of kind of an attack player. Well, their bench has really struggled. And I think it's because when, so when Jokic isn't out there since this is where now I bring in a LeBron comparison. So where Jokic is so great at creating open looks, even if guys don't hit them, that when he goes to the bench, well, who's going to be able to carry that next unit? And in the past, they had like a Monte Morris or more of a traditional point guard. They don't really have that guy on the roster right now. That's not what Bones Highland does. That's not what Jamal Murray does. And so they're they're trying to figure out who can sustain the offense with that group. And they don't really have much rim protection. They played DeAndre Jordan, but we saw what that was last year, Darius. That's not exactly the type of rim protection you might think just when you put him on the roster. And, and so there, there's a lot of uneven spots. And, and to bring, if I can bring the Lakers into this now, the Lakers 0-3, not shooting the ball well at all. They aren't consistently doing one thing really well, though, and that's defend. And they do have Anthony Davis, and I do think that he can give Jokic more problems than at least anybody else. And I, I think the Lakers have to look at this as an opportunity, not just a, oh, Denver's a really hard place to win. They've got Jokic, Murray's back healthy, Porter's back healthy. Denver, I think, is going to take a while to, to figure out exactly what they're going to be again. And then I think they're going to be fine. But it's going to take a little bit. And I would, be, I, if I were the Lakers, I'd rather be playing Denver now than like Utah now or even OKC or San Antonio, one of these teams with nothing to lose that's just going out and playing hard. Well, we saw that last season. Right. Where this the quote unquote soft part of the schedule was playing against a bunch of try hard teams that are just like, oh, you think we're tanking? No, we're out here to kick your butts. And we already know the Laker factor in that as well, Mike, where every team gets up to play the Lakers. Um, And I think that's particularly so if they look like a little bit of of a wounded team. Right. Or or someone or a group that that can be um, taken advantage of in general. So I do agree with you in terms of what the Lakers have been doing defensively. I am very interested to see, A, if Russell Westbrook plays plays tonight. He is listed as doubtful, right, Mike? And so if, if Russ does not play, then that opens up a space in the starting lineup. And who that player is is super important because you mentioned that AD is going to defend Jokic. Right. And then LeBron typically is going to defend the other forward who is less of an offensive threat, but might be more of a physical player. Right. And so that player is Aaron Gordon. And so whoever ends up being this other starter, if Russ does not play or even if Russ does play, that player looks like he's going to be slotted to defend Michael Porter Jr., Maybe unless Pat Bev takes him and Pat Bev can guard bigger guys and maybe that is the matchup, but that's sort of the pivot point within the defensive matchups where I'm very interested to see what happens. Where are you at around the Porter piece? Because you did say that he's been shooting it well, but 
do the Lakers have someone to deploy on him? And do you think it might end up being LeBron potentially then if they have to go a different route and, and maybe they start JTA or what's a, what's a logical step forward for you just in, in forecasting, not necessarily because you've been talking to people. Well, let's inject Russell Westbrook's absence into this as well, because that does give the Lakers a chance to, I don't want to say just match up for this game, but when Darvin Ham is thinking of it, how long is Russ going to be out? Should I, should I play a guy that I think fits best in a potential matchup against Denver, which is the thing that Frank Vogel found himself having to do all the time last year with so many guys in and out. Well, I guess I'll just, this guy, I don't know how long he's going to be in the starting lineup, but I have to win today's game. And Darvin has been trying not to do that, which I think makes sense, by the way. I think that's the way that you build some of that continuity, especially defensively. So who is that guy going to be? And if it's JTA, that gives you that gives you an option, I think, that maybe having it be Austin doesn't and that you can size up a little bit better. And so that's probably the way that I would go. But I also think that Troy Brown, just given the fact that JTA is starting to fit into the rotation in a certain way um, off of the bench, and I think you can, you can increase his minutes there. Brown gives you a little bit more shooting, doesn't give you quite as much of that just general – like the 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 way that Toscano Anderson plays, yeah. how hard he plays, how that's something I think that is a nice spark. And if you have Beverly doing that in the starting lineup, and then you have Toscano Anderson doing it off the bench, I like I like trying to cover forty eight minutes a little bit that way. So yeah. there are multiple ways that they can go here, Darius. But I I worry a little bit less about Porter Jr. because he's a guy that he's going to shoot over the top of almost anybody, even including LeBron. I mean, he he get and LeBron isn't going to foul guys or try to block a three pointer, right? He's smarter than that. And so, you're to me, I worry less about that and just having a smart defender that's not going to let him back cut and get to the hoop. So, in that context, I do kind of like the idea of LeBron guarding him some, but you can take advantage of him on the other end then, and and that's yeah. where I look at with with Porter Jr. So, let me flip back to you though with the Russ question and. What do you think about the absence, about the the replacement? How do you think this impacts the Lakers? Well, it's tricky, right? Because we talked about this the other day in in a pod about um, basketball problems needing basketball solutions, right? And I think Russ has been competing at, at a level defensively, which I think has been useful, but his offensive performances have been well detrimental to the team at times right and I think we've particularly seen that when teams have switched up their defensive matchups and and really tried to throw the Lakers for a loop by by putting bigs on him and so I think if Russ does does not play um one of the things that I'm interested in is what the stagger looks like and who picks up the ball handling responsibilities in those non LeBron minutes and what those stretches look like in terms of shot creation from, from the perimeter. One of the things that Russ's struggles have sort of overshadowed is the fact that Kendrick Nunn has struggled as well, Mike, and he has not shot the ball very well. And he has really looked tentative and not quite sure of himself in certain offensive sit- will, will situations. And his minutes have progressively gone down over the course of, of each of the games. And, and I think the last game, he only played nine minutes. 
Well, in his like the net the net rating stats on him almost seem fake. Uh, you know, you were sending him out after the second game, and and it's I mean it's been really bleak. And then and yet his usage rate for those minutes has still been high, and like, those things yep. are related because he's taking the, all these early clock uh, shots, and then they're leading to transition opportunities for the opponent. And yeah, it's been a it's been a rough start after he had actually a pretty decent preseason. Well, Mike, like him and Damian Jones, both are both like, um. <laughs> In terms of box score plus minus, none has played 44 minutes and he's a minus 44 in the box score. Damian Jones has played 13 minutes and he's a minus 13 in the box score. And so it's difficult to win some of these bench group minutes if you have bench players where they're getting outscored by a point for like the team is getting outscored by by a point for every minute that that they're on the floor. And so none, I think, becomes way more important and the stability within what his role should should be becomes more important because LeBron can't play 48 minutes in fact he's not even going to play 40 minutes right and and so you need the ball handling and shot creation from other players and the Lakers can and if Russ isn't going going to play whatever we think about Russ's level of play and his shooting ability. He's at least someone who you trust to bring the ball up and get the team into a set. He could be a transition player and and he can force the issue in ways that generate shots for you. And that's where I'm interested in seeing how how the Lakers make up for that. I do think Brown can be helpful here. Um, and it is going to need to be by committee. But yeah. eventually the Lakers are going to need their guards to pop a little bit, Mike. And that includes Austin. It includes none. And Brown is in there as well. And I'm looking for a little bit more from Lonnie from the shot creation stand standpoint, even though he's, he's, he's played well overall, I think. One thing the Lakers have to be at least aware of is especially after Denver got smacked in Portland, it might've gotten their attention a little bit and teams love to find a get right game when the Lakers come into town. It's going to be sold out building. Fans are going to be up for it more. They're going to see LeBron and AD in there and they know that their team isn't playing great right now. So I, I do think the Lakers have to be wary, um, but just matchup wise and who's on the court and what the teams have been doing so far, uh, the Lakers have to view this as a real opportunity to get a win. Mike, one last thing that, that I would say is, is that in the first several games, um, both the Clippers and the Warriors were a switch heavy team, right? And Portland did that less often, but they did do it some as well. I do not think Denver is going to switch very much at all against the Lakers. And so the Lakers are going to see many more conventional defensive coverages, um, especially when uh, Jokic is in the game and if DeAndre Jordan plays. I'm interested to see if Mike Malone goes small instead and sort of matches up Jeff Green against LeBron in those small ball center minutes and what that that looks like and the opportunity then for LeBron to be a rim hunting player if if a Jeff Green is in the game but if the Lakers are going to see more conventional coverages and and less switches I do think that that does open up more opportunities for handoff actions and a lot of the four out stuff that is geared towards getting guys downhill a little bit more that gets taken away 
a little bit when teams switch on you more. So if if there's a sort of game within the game and X's and O's thing to to look for, I would look for driving opportunities against Denver's defense and how that leads to even potentially better three-point looks than they've been getting because the drive and kick game will be a little bit better. All right, let's take our break here. When we come back, I'm curious to see which teams Darius has selected uh, to to either go essentially over or under on what their start has been to the season. Um, I have a couple to throw at him. And when we come back, uh, Darius, we're going to have you start at number one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, Mike. So we're back and... Can we just before we even get get into the the over under stuff? How fun has the start of the season been? How fun has league pass been? Just in terms of jumping around game to game to game, our text thread has been popping. Pete's like, I'm watching this game. You're like, oh well, I've been on this game. I'm sending you messages about did you see what just happened here? There's been so many good games and a bunch of teams just sort of that early season optimism from teams that always happens, right? Like we're going to be better than what people thought that has been showing up on the court a lot. I think just with the level of effort that these teams are showing. Yeah. There are a few ways to get into it, but one is that the NBA had its first full off season and it also has its greatest depth of talent in a long, long time. And even some of the bad teams Teams that are young, teams like Orlando, teams like Detroit, uh, teams like 
Utah. Uh, these teams have been really fun. They've been playing hard. Uh, they do have talent. They All of these teams have guys to watch. The Thunder, even with Chet out, they've got Shea, who's balling out. Uh, they've uh, they've got Josh Giddy. Like there are there are young players all over the league that are playing well and playing hard. And it's had some of the veteran teams like Philly, who's one and three, like Brooklyn, who's one and two. Certainly, we know what's happened with the Lakers, um, and we've all we've broken all that down. But Dallas is one and two. The Clippers are two and two. Denver and Golden State two and two. Memphis. Um, is there are six teams though in the West that are either three and one or five teams that are three and one. And then the Blazers are four and oh. So there are some, some of the veteran teams that are playing well, but now that we've gone through and kind of established how much fun it's been jumping around and how the league has just started with some fire emojis, Darius, give me a team that has surprised you in one way or the other. So let's start with a team that surprised me in a negative way. And let's go East for a second, because this team never gets brought up. Um, but the Miami Heat, Mike, so the Heat were the number one seed last season. Teams had sort of, uh, nationally, I'm not sure what folks were really making of the Heat this year, just because so many teams looked like they were going to compete for the championship. Boston, Milwaukee, of course, people have been really high on Philly. And Miami seemed like one of those more afterthought teams. But I think the general sense was, well, they're going to compete. They'll probably surprise. Spolstra gets the most out of guys all of the time. But they're one in three. And they have not looked particularly good when I've watched them. In four home games, by the way. Is this the year where it's sort of just like, oh, well, Miami surprises in the wrong way? Because they've almost always been a a greater than the sum of its parts team. And right now they look like, oh, maybe this is just the sum of its parts or or less than. So where are you at with, with the Heat? Have they surprised you at all with getting out to a one and three start? Yeah, they have. I mean, the game that they... The inexcusable game was the opener against Chicago at home where the, the Bulls were without Levine, without Lonzo Ball. Um, I don't think the Bulls are a particularly good team. Like, they're fine this year. I think they're more of kind of a play-in type of a team. And the Heat were just flat. I, I think that they're starting Tyler Hero now, who was their sixth man, who came in and, and got buckets. And now it's a little bit like, well, he's out there with Butler and Kyle Lowry's and out Lowry there. And Lowry and Bam. It's just like, okay, a lot of usage out there. A lot of guys exactly, who yeah. want with the ball. And I think that that's and I think that that's the first thing. And but now that they paid Tyler Hero, which I think to be too much for what he does, they have this pressure to start him and that throws off the balance because in their previous starting lineups they had two of those try hard defensive, you know, wing type players or at least like in Max Struess last year, a shooter and a spacer and a low usage guy. And it's just thrown out their balance. I think that they can, they, they will rally. They're, they're one of those teams, whether it's the mix of Spolster or some of the tough guys that they have, that I, I don't think they're going to be like bad um, on the season. But I do think that their ceiling is lower. And I don't think you're going to see them competing for the one seed all year. And, you know, Lowry, you mentioned, by the way, has does really seem to have taken a step back. And he's one of the older players in the league now at that point yeah. guard spot. And the drop off, I think, there is, is definitely impactful. Well, you know how it goes with small guards too, right? One 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 of the things that um may be a death knell for for the Heat is that they're actually pretty small now, right? And so Bam is not a, a super big overpowering center, and they have not replaced 
that P.J. Tucker type of guy who can basically be a legitimate power forward. And so when you're talking about their starting hero, one of the things that that does is make their forward group like a Jimmy Butler and a Max Struess or a Jimmy Butler and, and a Kayla Martin. And it's just like, okay, well, these guys are not necessarily big enough. Right. And so and we've seen some of these same issues with the Lakers in some of their bench units. Right. Where it's just like, okay, well, these are actually wings or guards that you're asking to guard up a lot. And and so it's going to be tricky for them. Give me another team. Let's move on. Let's move west. And a team that I watch a ton. And I think some people know I'm from Minnesota and I used to work for the Wolves for a couple of years and I still know people there. And I was just fascinated to watch them this year because they went all in on Rudy Gobert. And they bring a center to a team who was best when they were playing. They're small in terms of the way that he plays on offense as a spacer, Carl Anthony Towns at center. And I didn't like the trade. And they are struggling so far. In fact, they're getting some boos at home. And I also brought them up because the Lakers go to Minnesota next, right? So uh, a little context there. Here's their four opponents so far. OKC twice, Utah once, San Antonio once. The easiest opening schedule on paper in the league before it started. Like a real chance to kind of get going a little bit. Well, they win the opener, but barely against OKC. Then they lose to Utah and OT. They beat OKC by a bit again. And then they lose convincingly to San Antonio to the point where they were down by 30. And Chris Finch, the coach, put their starters back in in the fourth quarter to let them try and find some, some level of rhythm. So on the one hand, Darius, you want to give teams time to gel and you you figure it's going to be a learning curve with guys like Towns and Gobert trying to figure out how to play together. Yeah. I I always say there are there's a flip side to that though. When AD got to the Lakers and joined LeBron, they didn't need any time. It just fit. It just worked yeah. right. Sometimes teams do the basketball fit is such that wins will follow, especially if the requisite talent and the role players is there. And I just think that I don't think this is a team that just kind of suddenly figures it out um, in terms of system there. There is a kind of a leadership void there uh, in a way where it isn't necessarily towns. that's the leader of the team. It's not necessarily Russell. Um, it's not Gobert coming into this new group. Anthony Edwards is still so young and, and he's got more of that kind of alpha type personality. But when you've got those other three guys, it's just weird. Uh, and they've got some, They've got some real athletes that that complement them some and a McDaniels and like Noel off the bench. But I, I just think that's a tricky mix there. Um, and it's a team. It's a team to watch. Yes, they're 500, but their schedule uh, could not have been much softer so far. So that's a team that I've got my eyes on. I've got my eyes on them as well, Mike. I think a guy that they've been missing is Kyle Anderson. Um, he played in their first game. And I think he played like 22 minutes and had a real role. And then he's been out basically ever since the next game. He played a single minute and now he's out. If Anderson's not going to be there, he is their swing forward. He is the guy who is going to be able to push Towns to the center position in those second units. And instead, Towns has basically had to play almost full-time power forward, right? And so... Basically, the player who is picked up for um, for Anderson's absence has been Nas Reed. Nas Reed's a guy that I like, um, and and he's a good center, right? But he's their third string center, and it's basically making it so that he has to play, and Towns has to play a bunch of power forward. And if there's something that I'd be concerned at 
long term for Minnesota's um, goals, which is to compete for a championship. Now, that's why they make this this straight is is Towns going to be the defensive player you you need him to be and early returns are skeptical to doubtful. And so that's sort of where I'm at with Minnesota. Well, the one thing I would add too, going back to the playoffs, D'Angelo Russell really struggled uh, at the end of that series, especially against Memphis. And so far this season, he's struggling again. He's, he's a minus 8.6 net rating. Uh, And Jordan McLaughlin, who's played limited minutes. He's the guy that did finish that last game against Memphis is a plus 28. Like, so they're Oof. they're already having some again. I I hate the early season plus minus things, but they tell yes. us something, right? When you've seen something the year before, and you know if Russell's got to find some way to coexist because his game, it, he likes to shoot jump shots. That's what he likes to do. But he's out there with at least one, if not two, and sometimes three bigs. So it's just a weird fit like that. Like that's the team that that's the team that needs the uh, the Chris Paul type point guard. Right. Like yeah. that's if you switch minute, uh, if you switch D'Lo and Chris Paul, even in Chris Paul's age and he's just running screen rolls with those guys and getting them lobs and like get, and getting them shots like that's the type of thing um, that Minnesota needs and they don't have it. All right. So let's stay out west and let's turn to a more positive note. And I'm going to throw a couple of teams at you that have sort of overperformed from what I thought that they would be to start the season. And I'm going to give you two team names and just choose whichever one that you want to to hit on first. And then I'll give my thoughts after Portland surprise top of the conference four and and San Antonio, Mike, the San Antonio Spurs, they are three and one. And you just mentioned that they beat the Timberwolves handily. They beat Philly as well in Philly. They are inspiring home teams to boo. Take whichever one of those teams that that you want to hit first. And because I just think at the very start of the season, they're sort of feel good stories for their local fan bases, at least. Yeah, no doubt. So I'll I'll just touch on San Antonio because I think Portland's the more interesting one to talk about because, you know, San Antonio has been a bit of these schedule makers uh, have favored them in some ways. Like they, they started with a loss at home to Charlotte and then have somehow won three straight road games, uh, Indiana who yes. they barely beat. Who's, you know, not a good team, Philadelphia, who was completely flat. That was the game after which doc rivers came out and just like, we suck. We're terrible on offense. We're terrible on defense, et cetera. And, and then they beat Minnesota. who We just talked about. So I think that it'll come back around. And not only that, the Spurs in, in a very clipperish type move are now uh, having Devin Vassell as questionable or actually doubtful to play in their next game. And the Clippers already took had three vets not playing their fourth game of the season and they got smacked by OKC, which I just don't think it's good for the game. I've gone on rants before about how San Antonio used to do this and just resting guys to rest guys. Not saying that it's just Kawhi. I get I get the injury management thing there. It's just like the season has been so fun. And then we have one team who's like, oh, no, yeah, we're we're good on this game. We're just going to try to win it with uh, the rest of our rotation. Um, And and they didn't. So now having given you that preamble. Portland, I have said clearly in the group thread, and I and I will never betray something I say there to try to to try to sound smarter or something. I don't think Portland is that good uh, this year. I think that they're fine, and I think that Lillard has been great, and that's certainly exciting. So that that tells us that the injury he had last year with his abs, his abdominal area was real, and he's still that guy, and he can still carry his team to wins. Uh, they do have some good role players, some good kind of young athletic types that I think complement in the wing. Nurkic has been okay, but you know, the Lakers should have beaten the Blazers by 10. Uh, They were, they were up by eight with four, 
42 left. And when they went back to the previous lineup and like, that was one thing, Denver was completely flat against them. The Suns were up on the Blazers for most of the game. Portland ends up coming back and winning in overtime. Lillard scores 41, like barely misses a shot. And then yeah, Aiton misses those free throws too. Yeah, Aiton misses just free like throws. Dan got in his head a little bit. Yes. You know, so it's been a little bit of the opposite of what, what's happened to the Lakers so far where everything has gone perfect for Portland so far. And I get it. Their fans should be excited. They should be riding high. 4-0 is 4-0. It's all against Western teams. But I just, I see that. Um, I see that as being a little bit more fickle uh, and them not having quite enough, a, a bit more of a transitory year for Portland. So I, I would be down on on how good they are versus what their start is, Darius. But I also sure. I can't not give them credit. So let's talk about this, though, within the context of league pass stuff, because Portland, whatever they end up being at the end of the season, I will say that they've been fun to watch like their games have been fun. Right. And so. Take the Lakers game out out of it. That was not fun for me. But I was watching their game against the Nuggets, Mike. And did you see that stretch where Simons was just going crazy against them? He, he even had LeBron tweeting about him. Well, he was where six for, he, I was watching you six for six from three in the third quarter, right? He was just he was just bombing away, Mike, coming off pin downs and handoff actions. Dame was just looking for him. Like the way that you look for your buddy at the park when you see that he's got it going and he was just hunting him out and looking to try to get him the ball. And Simon's shot selection was getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And it didn't even matter. They just kept falling. It made me think of when basically Steph and Clay, right? When Clay's hot because Steph, you know, Steph can, Dame's the only other guy like Steph that can kind of hit, he can hit those shots himself, but nope. My guy's hot. I like this guy. It it was cool. I I like seeing that. It's nice to see that. Me as well. And and another guy that I've liked from them, two two guys actually, is um, their rookie, um, Sharp. He looks like an interesting prospect, athletic, and got some range on on his jumper. And I've been quite impressed with Nasir Little and his level and his overall floor game. Um, He's held up defensively, but he's looked very polished offensively. In, in a way that I think has really helped them. Um, and, and Grant's been solid as well. And so I'm not sure what their long-term prospects are. I think that over time, uh, I should also mention Josh Hart too. He's played excellently. And I think he's averaging like 10 rebounds a game, Mike. Yeah, and he's, he's starting great. at small forward for them. So you know us, we love ourselves some, some Josh Hart here at uh, the LFR pod. So... I'm interested in seeing what their long-term prospects are. Um, and I'm also interested to see what their interplay looks like in terms of when Gary Payton returns for them and whether or not their best lineups end up being some of their small ball, small ball lineups or if their best line lineups are ones that are going to include Nurkic. So that's sort of where I'm at with, with the Blazers. So before we wrap up, though, Mike, one more team, what you got? Let's go rapid fire with with one more squad, like if uh, you have one in mind. Yeah, the last one I'll bring up is New Orleans, and I think that they're real uh, this year. They're three and one. They've won their they won their last game without Zion, uh, without Brandon Ingram, and that was against Dallas. And no, Herb they, Jones too, right? Yeah, yeah Herb think- Jones. Herb Jones was also out. So they are they are deep with wing size and depth. I love Trey Murphy the third. Um, he's been terrific for them. McCollum's been playing really well. They, they had a game against Charlotte where Valencia Yunus dominated. So 
if the question for them is always going to come back to can Zion stay in the floor because that certainly represents their ceiling and can they defend well enough with that that fully healthy starting group and I do think that 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 will be tested against the best teams because when it's Ingram and Zion and McCollum and Valanciunas like there are places to attack and they don't have yeah. the best rim protection uh, on that team because Valanciunas he's huge but he's not He's not a guy that you can't sort of either go around or get some action to the rim uh, with. So I, I'm not saying that they're a I don't think they're quite on the title contender level level, but I do think they're going to be in that mix uh, and pushing teams a little bit in the way that Memphis was last year when teams weren't quite expecting Memphis to be as good as they were. They could I could see them in the conference finals, Mike, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Ingram has turned into one of those guys. Just a guy who is reliable in what he can get to offensively and how polished his skill set is in terms of shot creation. I agree with you with some of the potential defensive issues, but um, I really like what they can do in going to more defensive oriented lineups with Jones and Ingram, even Trey Murphy, right? Alvarado, um, as as another pest in uh, the backcourt defensively and. Um, shout out to Willie Green, right? I think he's done an excellent job of sort of galvanizing a young group and um, intermixing with a couple of the veterans that they do do have. Um, and they're finding a way here, and which is <laughs> bad news for the Lakers, right? With uh, their pick swap rights that they own for the Lakers. Yeah, not a this great season. start to the season for pick swap. Uh, <laughs> pick swap yes, purposes. yes. If a year on pick swap watch, this isn't this isn't been a great start to the year. Let's wrap up here. You have a good night tonight in Denver. Hopefully the Lakers can get their first win of the season. I think they've definitely got a good shot if they keep up their defense. I also think this could be a night where if they can rebound, Mike, that the transition game is going to be there for them. And that's where I think this game can be won is in the open court, uh, racing up court against Jokic and potentially former Laker DeAndre Jordan. All right, guys, let's wrap it there. Uh, Pete should be back tomorrow to react to the game in Denver. Uh, for Darius, I'm Mike. We'll see you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van next to the winner. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen! Brian! Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Brian. Yeah! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. 
Trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.